St. Dominic Media proudly presents Catholic in America, the show that engages the intersection of faith and culture. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, online at our website, stdominicmedia.com. And please make sure to support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash stdominicmedia. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to Catholic in America, the show that engages people at the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Father Michael Nixon, and I'm joined by my co-hosts today, Father Doug Martin and Father Tom Dillon. Today we're going to be discussing America's new approach to conflict resolution, canceling someone. Within that, we'll be looking at the roots of it, where this comes from, what it looks like, as well as what are the consequences and what is our Catholic response to that. Don't cancel us. Stay tuned. We'll see you in a sec. All right, thanks for joining us today on Catholic in America. We're talking today about cancel culture. Yep, please be sure to like, subscribe, or share the show. So don't cancel us with that. Like, share, and subscribe instead, okay? So just a definition, a kind of a working definition for us as we we talk about cancel culture and our response of faith to that, that it is this kind of modern uh, manifestation. It's the practice of withdrawing support for public figures or companies after they have done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. So, and of course it didn't just get its start there and it hasn't remained there. So let's talk a little bit about this. Maybe some, maybe might help for us to talk about some examples of, of cancel culture that we in society, see in, in society today. Yeah, I think that one of the uh, probably most prominent examples of cancel culture that we've seen kind of recently was uh, J.K. Rawlings. And when J.K. Rawlings put out a uh, statement, I believe it was on Twitter, and uh, in response to this question of gender and gender identity, and she basically made this comment about uh, what does it mean to be a woman? And the backlash against J.K. Rowling's against that was pretty profound, where people were calling for an outright boycott because of her supposed uh, transphobic uh, comment. And so mm-hmm. like, people are saying, let's boycott her, get rid of her books out from all of the different bookstores, like no longer support her, and this attempt to totally exile and almost banish J.K. Rowling's from the uh, public sphere. Mm-hmm. We've also seen it, I mean, against companies as well, against Nike, St. LaCroix. I mean, there's been other examples of this happening, not not just to individuals. I mean, yeah, the individuals like Roseanne with her, with her show as well and actually being removed from the show itself, but also to companies Doesn't the as show well. still, Roseanne still exist? The, the show does still exist, but no, she's not on Okay, I, I don't she's watch been the canceled. show. So, yeah, okay. she's been good, canceled. Good and so, um, but but also with companies as well, and, and you know, one of the ways they do that is is to not support them, to to not you know um, share, like, or subscribe, <laughs> and then also not to purchase from there, and encourage others not to do it as well. And, and so, I mean, to me, it seems like it's uh, just kind of this a modern form of a boycott, but done in a different way. That that it's it's coming specifically today through social media. That se- that seems mm-hmm. to be kind of the main the main. Um, thrust of this. So I think about this too, that we've seen this with, with widely known figures like comedians, but also pub, like uh, uh, private individuals um, that, that maybe say something or do something that's deemed offensive or that people get angry about, or some, sometimes they go back to their past. There was a Heisman Trophy candidate recently. They went to, back to tweets from when he was a 12-year-old kid. Um, and you know, I can't imagine the stuff that I was saying as a 12 year old yeah. being put out there, oh, but yeah. basically kind of accusing him of that, that he was whatever it was, uh, homophobic or, or racist or, or the different things that, that, uh, the language there that they're applying to a 22 year old from when he was 12. 
and basically you know, condemning him uh, because of what had been said or what had been dug up. Yeah, and I think that's also within the context of that a lot of this is happening within social media, but the danger now that we're kind of seeing is social media has now been present for several years now, um, wide scale, but now that people have a electronic footprint Hmm. and that people are now leaving electronic footprints. And now, as soon as you do something which is offensive in today's modern language, today's modern culture, people will go back and look through your digital footprint to find into, was there anything that this person said in the past? So like, the cancel culture is no longer just about what are you saying today, but now it's starting to transcend time. Mm -hmm. And as well as when you start doing that, then it starts also, Take, uh, doesn't take you into account the context as well as the history of where people are and so forth. It also kind of touches on, as, as a society, that it seems very, very widespread. And, and obviously, politics play a big part in this. People, you know, uh, politicians that, that say or do things or don't say or do things uh, that are deemed offensive, uh, that are deemed racist or, or, or uh, against certain groups of pi uh, people, minorities, uh, that 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 can be that can be used as a political tool against them. So it's kind of it seems very selective too in how how this is applied. If somebody agrees with me politically or or otherwise, then I don't really care and I won't really support canceling them. But if somebody, it's almost it's almost it becomes not about I want to see change in society, but can I tear down this person who did something that I don't like? Right. They want to you know it's about seeing my kind of change, the the kind of change that. Uh, that I want to see it comes from an agenda, whether it's a, a personal agenda or whether it's a an agenda of a group of people. And so, yeah, what happens is is it's not it's not really um, it's not really distributed equitably. It, it's definitely uh, some people get it worse than others, or, or there's some that don't even get it at all. I mean, if you go back into comments of certain political figures, uh, they've said some very crazy things over the last thirty or forty years, and then you come to now. I mean, considered now crazy then. Um, but now if you look at the things they're saying, they may have actually changed some of the things that they said. And so now it's okay because it doesn't matter what they said in the past, it matters what they're saying right now. So we understand that this, this is something that is, is pretty widespread. It's across social media. All of us are impacted by social media. Whether you're off all social media or not, it's at your job. Your job has a Facebook page or you have a Twitter or news is coming to, uh, to us through that. We just had a whole... Uh, a, election cycle go basically through social media and, and be uh, impacting uh, social media, then it's, it's, it's a strange world that we're in. So you can't escape it. And this impacts all of us in various ways. So maybe we can go a little bit deeper into this because we have stories of corporations and, and, and famous people, but individuals as well being canceled. Uh, the impact that it might have can be huge or maybe not, not felt uh, that deeply. But what is the reason behind it? What are people actually looking for? Why are we as a society in this position? Um, other than we have the tools now of social media, but what's kind of caused us to be in this place? And what are we actually looking for that I'm going to vehemently lash out at someone on social media to try to get their, them to lose their job or to be taken off air or whatever it might be? What, what, what's, what's actually going on underneath the surface? I think some of it is... is, is a, a, a true sense of looking for justice, of, of looking for uh, correcting someone when they're wrong, which is, you know, good things in and of themselves to be able to, to, to you know, correct someone and then change their behavior. I mean, that, that really is kind of what we want to be able to do. But, but what happens is, is if they don't change their behavior, if they dig in even more, well, then, then becomes the problem. And so how can I ratchet this up a little bit more so I can get their attention better or get them to change their behavior? And if they won't, we just mm. won't even listen to them at all. Mm. We'll put them in the corner 
and say, you're not to be heard from again. See, I, 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 I'm maybe going a different direction with it, possibly, because it, it seems on social media that we're not trying to change people's behaviors. We're trying to make sure that they already have the right thoughts, behaviors. If they don't, then they don't deserve to have a voice at all. So right. it's almost kind of like against people changing. It's basically you just better have the the perfect <laughs> right, right. But but even coming but out of a place, I think that's where of, it started from. Right. I think yeah, it okay. started okay. from that sense you. of justice. Yeah. And what's become mm-hmm. is is this. And and there's a, a so so people actually assume where you are. They actually assume what you're thinking by a comment or by a statement that's made when it may not actually be the meaning of it at all, or they just may know what your meaning is and they don't like it. And so this is no longer, like you said, it's no longer about justice. It's no longer about doing the right thing or correcting someone or trying to win someone over to a side, but to just cut them off and silence them altogether so they mm-hmm. can't have a say. And, and in your way, you're saying you're hurting society so much, we don't need you anymore. I think that the other piece of this also is that people want to fight for something. Like mm-hmm. people are looking for something to fight for. They're looking for a cause. They're looking for something which they are willing to devote themselves to. Um, I think that in the, at the depth of the human psyche, like we desire to fight for something. We desire to be devoted to something. Um, so when you find these different movements, or that I can at least get on these different movements and I can support this movement, I can support this movement, and I have the ability to actually to have an effect. I have the ability to actually have a profound effect on this particular issue. Um, one of the problems, obviously, within this whole conversation on uh, canceling someone is then the question is, what is the criterion? Mm-hmm. What are the rules? Yeah. And the problem is, like, now there really are no rules except for the whim of the crowd or the whim of the mob or the whim of what's going on and where the political wind or where the social wind is, is particularly coming at them at that time. But or I think even the individual yeah, decision. Or the individual yeah. decision. Yeah. But I think yeah. behind it, though, is this desire... Um, to, to make a change in the world, to make a mm. positive change in the world and to actually to be effective and to bring about real change. Um, I think that's also one of the reasons though that the danger of canceling someone is that it tends to be, since there's not a lot of rules to it and since there's not like a lot of, of order to it, it, tends to be emotionally based a lot upon what I agree with, what I don't agree with, what, what outrages me, what disgusts me. And therefore, like I can, I can have this emotional response, and it, it brings up a lot of this emotional response. But being that it's emotional, it tends to be it comes and goes, mm-hmm. and that's why, like especially since a lot of it is social media based, like it also comes and goes with people's uh, attention span. Which, as we know, the modern, right. the modern uh, American mm-hmm. has like the attention span of about what five, seven minutes. Right, right. Like before, I've already uh, stopped paying attention. I know to before the next commercial so, comes yeah. in. If you guys are still watching, <laughs> yes, thank you exactly. so much. That's great. <laughs> but no, but, but being that, that's more like. But there's a difference yeah. between activism, yeah, and yeah. being an activist as opposed to supporting a cause. And so I think that behind this is the. One of the dangers of the cancel culture is the illusion of being a true activist and fighting for something, but without actually having to be committed in like a deep way. That's why like to support something on social media and to give this outrage, this outrage and this cry is very different than walking through the streets of Selma. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. Dr. Martin Luther King and like being attacked and things like that. But, but people do have this desire, though, to have the same profound impact that Dr. Martin Luther King and others had. So I think that there is, so yeah. I, behind it, there's something good. It's just the, the right. way in which this is manifesting in the modern world, especially without the deep rooting, at least in the kind of a, a principled approach to this, it's, it's very, uh, it, it, it's dangerous. Yeah. Well, and it takes out dialogue. I mean, that, that's what it does. When, when and you context. cancel someone, it's, it's almost the unforgivable sin, if you will. 
if you if you're canceled, you're done with them. There's no more dialogue. I mean, I, I remember when Drew Brees back during the um, during the protest for George George Floyd, he he said something about respecting the American flag and, and players not taking a knee, and that was taken as a as a very racist comment. And so he, I, I mean, I heard all sorts of media people saying, I'm "Done with him." It, no matter if he apologized or not, didn't matter. And they even several of them even said, "I don't care if he apologizes, I'm done with him because I know how he thinks and I know who he is." So basically, taking a moment and divorcing it from the rest of your life and, and focusing on, on that moment. For some people, I don't know if the, that's the case with Drew, Drew Brees in that particular instance. Again, we don't know what's inside his headspace or where he's coming from, because I don't know Drew Brees. Right. Um, but some people, it's the worst moment of their life, and we're judging them by that, which, which we can get into a, a little bit more later on as far as the, the Christian response. But so, so what I'm hearing is, is where this is coming from as a society and as, as a hum, in our humanity this longing for justice, that we have a longing for justice, and you know, even in an unjust society, there's still that longing that something needs to be, something's not right. right. Um, this longing to belong to a cause, to fight for something. I, I would say something too that, that and you, you touched on this, Father Tom, that this wanting to be a part of a group, you know, part yeah. of a group, that, that we, I'm part of this group of people and we're, we're doing what's right. We're fighting against injustice, we're fighting this war, we're, we're, we're taking, you know, you know so there, there's this desire for that that's within us, and since we live in such a fragmented society, even before COVID, now we've got even, in a sense, we're more divided from one another and yeah. not seeing each other face to face, that all of us are swimming in that. So it becomes that much, that, that desire is still there though. So what do I belong to? What, what, am I, what am I a part of? And if I can make it, I'm a part of attacking this, this institution, this group, this person who personifies it, whether it's a political figure or a media figure, then in a sense, I give myself validation because. I really got in a good one on that person. And I really, right. and maybe my tweet or my, my response or my video was the thing that kind of, you know, brought the whole thing down. And, and I want to be a part of that. And I want to be a part of that, that revolution. Right, right. And, and I mean, like you said, with, with, especially with COVID and the isolation that we've been feeling with all this, basically media and, and uh, our phones and, you know, all those uh, social media is, is the way into um, a group. It's, it's the way in to be included, if you will, but to a certain extent, included on my terms. Not right. included necessarily on the terms of, of where we are, or even in society, but my terms. Well, and, I, and going back to kind of this, this activism, is that like true activism, where you bring about real qualitative change, and not just passing change which comes and goes. Like, real activism it takes place in the context of sacrifice. Like, mm. authentic personal sacrifice like obviously dr martin luther king lost his life as the ultimate sacrifice then you have the sacrifice of people who have engaged in real activity that's why um president obama was one of the persons who came out and said and was very critical of the cancel culture basically saying that this this type of activism is not activism like mm -hmm. this is not really what it is because it doesn't require a personal sacrifice for me to kind of express outrage and then um, it's not really backed up, but as, as well as that, obviously, then you start seeing, like, it just kind of shifts and moves, and this person was supposed to get canceled, they didn't get canceled, then you could question, like, why didn't they get canceled? I thought they were supposed to, but it's like, then the question is, like, where's the integrity of true, uh, of making a true qualitative change, which is how that change happens? Yeah, because, it, because there's some of these people who've been in a group canceling, and they turn around and cancel each other. 
So, you know, it's almost, yeah, it's like, almost, like, almost sounds like the French Revolution, doesn't it? it? Is. Yeah, yeah, it does. I yeah. mean, it's almost like being in a bank and robbing, you know, robbing the bank and then turning to the robber who's with you and saying, I want your money too. You know, I mean, it's like, wait a minute. You, you know, there, there's something to the way it, it's creating this, this idea of actually turning on each other and not being able to even trust the people who, who seem to be on your side anymore. And afraid of our worst moments or our worst tendencies or, or the worst tendencies of the, those with. I think about that with outrage, that in a sense, as a society, we've lost our moral compass in a lot of ways. And we'll talk a bit, a bit more about our faith and its intersection with this. But since we don't have that moral compass, which, what is truth and how do we live truth and what is good and true and beautiful? What is actually just? So in a sense, all we're left with is outrage. And who, who can, exp who can well, express that the most, and, you know, and I'd the add, most, and I'd add uh, to that, most volume? Yeah, I'd add to that fear. Because like in the absence of set principles and a set formula of how things happen, and especially when you live in a relativistic society, which is that my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, and we have ideals and we have our ideals for society kind of shifting and changing. I mean, just think about going from the 1990s to where we are right now. We've had a drastic change in American ideals. And you can be pro or con, but I don't think that anyone can argue that there's been a drastic change in pros in the ideals of America. The problem with that, at least in terms, especially as the conversation we're having right now, is that when ideals shift and change, I'm, I'm okay right now, but then I don't know where the ideals are gonna be in five years from now. Like even, mm -hmm. even, this, even this conversation we're having right now, we don't, yeah. know, we don't know where this is gonna be in 10 years from now. What happens if in 10 years I'm on the opposites, I'm on the opposite side? Mm -hmm. So like even in the experience of it right now, I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing such a rise in anxiety with people and our culture today, because like there's a lot of fear based. Because I don't know, I'm I'm on the right side right now, but where am I going to be in two or three years from now? Is this what I'm saying right now? Is this going to come back to haunt me as all of a sudden my yeah. like my the ideals of society have now changed? Where I was, uh, and and what is the foundation? Even, yeah, seeing, yeah, yeah. even a popular TV show that won Emmys like The Office now saw an interview with Steve Carell on one of these shows, and they were talking about this cancel culture. One thing Steve Steve Carell said was, was yeah, we can't make the show now. Just 15 years later, hmm. they, they couldn't make the show because of the shift in understanding and the way, um, well, just the way things are being called. So before we get to um, the next part of our, of our show, which is really where we get to explore how our faith as Catholics, how it intersects with our culture, particularly this, this cancel culture, uh, we're gonna hear a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Catholic in America. We've been discussing cancel culture. And if you appreciate our program, uh, please make sure you like, share, and subscribe. If you'd like to support us and be a patron, please look us up online at patreon.com slash Media. So we got into the, the third part of our, uh, of our show. And at this part, we've been talking about this kind of cultural reality of cancel culture and uh, the, where it comes from, what it's rooted in. And now we get to talk a little bit about uh, what our faith has to say about this and how our Catholic faith intersects with this, maybe informs it. So as Catholics, is this something, this cancel culture, uh, what, what does our faith have to say about that? What aspect of our faith can maybe speak to this cancel culture to maybe recognize what's good, but to call it to something better? I, th I think we go to the New Testament. So we go to the New Testament because it's actually very clearly laid out what happens in the New Testament. Actually, in the New Testament, St. Paul does not talk about that you cannot cancel someone. <laughs> uh, it's actually, the word is used shunning. So this is a, a shunning. Um, and actually he talks about this in the context of a shunning which happens in the context of the community. When is it appropriate to shun a person and when is it not appropriate to shun a person? But within that, when St. Paul talks about that in the New Testament, he will give actually a criterion. 
And the same thing is he's alluding to what Jesus himself says, is that if you have a problem with your brother, go and talk to him directly. If you don't, if he doesn't listen to you, he doesn't challenge, and you don't bring two or three people with you, then bring them to the church. And if they don't, won't listen to the church, then that's the appropriate moment to shun them. And the word that we use in the Latin church for this is that that's actually an excommunication. But the difference is, is that in that, there's a very clear process, as well as that there's always a pathway back towards recommunication. Mm-hmm. Is that whatever the source of the evil, and actually that's why you bring them to the church, because yeah. the church is the one using justice and using the law of God, as well as our reason of like, what is reasonable, what is justice? Like, so we know that there's a process that this person has broken some type of boundary, something that is not just a relative construct, but something which is actually harmful. And that's why like, you sometimes have to keep a person at a distance, or sometimes you do shun them. But there's always a pathway backwards, is that if that person's willing to repent, and this is the whole purpose of in the gospel, why we have repentance, is that repentance is a pathway back to reunification, so that the excommunication is not permanent. Well, in the way he says it is, is so you can win your brother over. Yes. I mean, so, yeah. that, so that you can win your brother back, not, not to you, not mm. to your side, not to come back and say you were right and I was wrong, but to win them back to truth, to win them back to the love of, of the gospel itself and to God himself. And, and in this case, if it's not in a Christian context, to win them back over to the side of what's right, of what, you know, where we need to be. But if we don't know what's right, then we've got to somehow have a way to know that. And I think that's somewhat what you're talking about Absolutely. too is, is that if without knowing what's, what's, what's right, what's just, then we won't ever be able to invite them back over that. And then it becomes, again, a very individualistic or a group individualistic and, thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, and what is just is not, is not gonna change. And that's the thing, that's why there's stability. Like what is yeah. just, what is true, what is right, it doesn't come from my own psyche or it doesn't come from the crowd. Or the, I, love, I love that one great scene in uh, Gladiator. I know it's one of your favorite movies, my, yeah. one, my yeah. favorite movies. Uh, but there's this the scene with Crocus, the senator, as he's looking out, he finally comes into the Colosseum, and one of the other senators turns to the, uh, the the revered senator who's very prudish, and he's like, oh, I thought you didn't come here. He's like, well, this is the crowd. He's like, this is Rome. Yeah. This is the crowd. Mm, right. And that's where the, he's like, and he talks, they have that scene where he's talking about like the mob and how like the, the feelings of the mob and how you have to know what the mob is. But that's the difference between like God's justice and the changeable justice of man or the mob, which can change on whim versus God's is stable, which then also gives us that we don't have to be in fear. Like mm. that's the whole thing. Like if, if justice isn't stable, or if it's based upon the whims of man, then you're gonna live in a constant state of fear and anxiety because at any given moment, you might have the favor of the crowd, but just as quickly, you might have the thumbs down and, you're gonna, and your, your, head is on the, your head is gonna be on the platter. Which a lot of people's yeah. finding right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think about this in terms of of what is, the, what is our foundation, and that we need to have a foundation of what is true and what is just and what is good, like you said, that are unchanging. In a sense, as a society, that, uh, that as a society, we've kind of prided ourselves in postmodern society of, sh- of throwing off the shackles of religion and religiosity, and the Inquisition was so terrible. And what we have now is kind of this new orthodoxy, this new Puritanism, where you have to fall within this line. If you're not, then you're shunned, and there's no hope for atonement. There's no road back. Um, so it's kind of or like not, not clearly laid out. Yeah, right, yeah, or right. not clearly laid out, or it's constantly shifting, or or it's. Uh, if you have a good, a good enough PR person, you might be able to get back yeah, into. If the, you can do a video yeah. that touches the right, you know, it's heart the strings. new hanging. It's the new uh, guillotine. It's the new. Yeah, you're right. just you're cut off. 
So, so recognizing that, so we as, as Christians who, you know, have, have, <laughs> when we as Catholics, we've, we've been accused and probably rightly so through the ages of being judgmental or being of condemning people and other things too. So how can we live the best of our faith, which is calling us to call out evil when, when it's present, to speak for justice, to, uh, to speak against, you know, tyranny and all these sorts of things, but also that that's imbued with a sense of mercy um, that I'm seeing that I can denounce what is evil and still love the person. I think that's something that maybe we've lost sight of as a society, that we've so united ourselves with our actions, even our worst actions or our proclivities or whatever, that if someone says like, hey, what you're doing is bad, then you say, well, that's an attack on me as a person, which in, in the, the Christian sense, the Catholic understanding is, is, is no, praise God, that it's actually not attacking on, on your person. It's saying that you as a person have a dignity and a worth that's that's much more than this. So calling them to conversion, not just saying what you're doing is terrible and you're a bad person, therefore you are terrible, which right and left center in our society nowadays, we've gotten very good at, but it actually says like you as a person are actually good and what you're doing is not leading to, towards the fullness of truth, beauty and goodness. So, so to invite a, a dialogue and a change, because that's what's also not happening, yeah. is we're not used to actually having conversations with someone that disagrees with me. Yeah, because mm -hmm. you're deemed as unredeemable. Yeah. You're seen as unredeemable. We, we can't, since you won't change, or we can't change you to the way we're thinking, then we're just gonna cut you off and you're done. You're out of this. And in, in, the, in the way back, like you said, it's not very clear. I mean, maybe there's a way back. Maybe the way back is overcoming being canceled. I mean, that we've seen that with some with some movie stars and companies as well. But but you're right. I mean, it's just not very well laid out that that there's a way back into this. And in that way, I mean, like you said, it is it is the the witch trials all over again where you get burned on the stake and there's no coming back from this. No, that that that's generally no coming back from being burned at the no, stake. No, just not. <laughs> yeah. well, but I think about it even biblically too. That that um, uh, New Testament talks about how. Jesus Christ has canceled our debt. He's canceled our yeah. sins. He's nailed them to the cross. That in a sense, when I encounter the sins of somebody else, hopefully I'm, I recognize not look how terrible they are, but recognizing like, look how merciful God has been to me. And that, that to me is, it should be the difference. And we as Catholics um, in here in the United States of America, we as followers of Jesus, if, you, if you're coming to faith, if you have a relationship with Jesus, to, to begin to say that I need to be a source of that merciful love that is infinitely just, but is also infinitely merciful because of the infinite mercy and justice that's been shown to me. That God has not just put up with my sins, he's actually taken my sins on himself. So maybe we can ask that too, is if I see somebody in sin, or I see somebody's worst moment being put online, am I responding of like, I'm gonna enter into that with them, that almost in a sense to take that on myself and say like, I love this person, no matter what people, you know, um, send up against me. Because I, I think that's that would be a real Christian and Catholic difference. So you're saying to be merciful without someone being merciful towards you. I yeah, mean, yeah, I mean, because that's, that's what, you know. The, While the we were unmerciful to Jesus, he was merciful to us. Exactly. And so then then that's what frees us to be able to be that towards them. Not just waiting for them. I'm going to wait till they right. acquiesce. Because then it's a power struggle and, and, and you're never going to win that game. Well, then it's about me. Yeah. I, th I think that also allowing ourselves to view people through the lens of God, so like looking upon the people around us, not as a Snapchat right. or not as a snapshot, like one snap of their life and then judging the entirety of a person based upon one instance within their life. So that's where like recognizing that also the only one who transcends space and time is God. And so like within that context also, like something that had happened, that's where like context, 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 like what is the context? And that, like to understand the context of a person's life as well as what they said, 
like that requires you to be open to understanding them and to like looking below the surface of just like a momentary outrage or that they said this and I assume I understand immediately what it was, mm -hmm. even though like this, this thing that they did might've been 30 years ago. And like looking at the standards of that time and what was acceptable at that time, which is, I mean, true history, like a true person who studies history as well as like the, the true arts, like looks at like, what was the standards of that time? And like also recognizing like, in, in mercy and compassion, like maybe that person was not living by that, by that, but also recognize like we're today, we are being called to be compassionate as a view, not just like, and not just make a person a flat one dimensional object, mm. if well, that makes and, sense. And that's yeah. what Instagram kind of does. Instagram kind of lets us put up what we want people to see about us. And so what happens is, is we portray this perfect life or these, you know, these filters where we can change, you know, the way we look, where we can, you know, be without freckles or Wait, without... what are these filters? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, need, I need to use these, yeah. yeah. But, but what happens, <laughs> what happens is, is we wind up, we, we wind up, we've been almost conditioned to it through, through little medias like that to look at a snapshot in one person's life and say, this is who they are. When in actuality, mm -hmm. when we see on Instagram, we see one, someone who's very happy and all that, there may be a sad story behind that picture. There may be something else that's going on. And to understand that with some of these things that are happening that people are getting canceled for, maybe there's more behind it than that. Maybe there is this need. I mean, well, we know it. There's a need for mercy. There's a need for, yeah. to a certain extent, for understanding too. And, and maybe the issue isn't understood very well. Yeah, we all we all want mercy. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is like, that's for us. For, for us. Mercy, for yeah, us. That's, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. That's what Jesus <laughs> says in the New Testament. <laughs> The measure by which you measure out will be measured out to you. And mm, I mean, that's yeah. if you think about that for just a moment, the measure in which yeah. you measure out mercy will be measured out to you. Like that's terrifying. Like yeah, our, well, yeah exactly. <laughs> forgive us as we forgive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole yeah. our Father. Yeah, absolutely. So like that notion of like, I don't see a lot of mercy. Mm -hmm. And that's where like God, who sees the full picture of our lives, he. God can see at any given moment the full movie of our lives. He doesn't just see a photograph of our life. And that's what we're, we're judging people based upon a particular photograph at one point in their life versus God who sees the full context of the life of the person and that where we see the God's response is always mercy, mercy. Isn't this part of this too, maybe the invitation for, for us, for anyone who's watching today, for our faith to intersect with this culture, isn't part of it the need to not be plugged in at all times? I mean, I, I think that that's, that, that's got to be part of it. Because in a sense that, like, if we're spending hours and, you know, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone, engaging with these sorts of media and these, these areas of, you know, of the way of, of interacting with other people, primarily through that, it becomes so much easier to make people into those caricatures of the enemy but when I'm actually having a conversation with somebody, then it's a real person. Then I'm all of a sudden, like, it, it challenges me in new ways. And obviously, we're, we're in a, still in time of coronavirus and, and social distancing and everything else. So, uh, but, but to not, not let that keep me from, well, I'm actually going to seek to have a conversation and interaction with somebody. I think that's part of it, too, is we sometimes need to put that down and, you know, yeah. go, walk, go walk the dog or do something that's, that's, that's healthy and human because we can get so wrapped up in, and I'm angry, I'm right, these people are wrong, and anything that's within my power, whether it's sending a tweet or writing an email or sending a message, or writing a complaint to the right boss, you know, that that's going to make me feel justified. But instead, be like, all right, I'm going to walk around. When's the last time I prayed for that person? Right, right. I mean, because it, the easy thing to do is to cancel someone. Mm -hmm. and, but, I mean, but it's easier when you don't know them. Yeah. We don't know who they are. 
And when you're affecting a livelihood, I mean, there's a sense of vengeance that's there with this. Mm. And that's the opposite side of winning someone over is vengeance. I, you know, I, I've executed judgment on you and now the punishment's meted out to you and, and you're getting what you deserve. You're getting your comeuppance, as they might say. And the fact that we took out our vengeance and even executed Jesus, again, at the very heart of our faith, the very heart of this, that, uh, that he doesn't execute us. He doesn't do, enact vengeance on us. He does it against our sins, but not against us. So th that's, that's really our hope when we keep getting drawn back to. Sure. So wrapping up this conversation, guys, uh, again, really, really fruitful conversation. Hopefully it gives us something to think about our own way we interact online, but also just maybe make sense of where this cancel culture comes from. Uh, so just in closing, just any other thoughts that you have on, on this topic of cancel culture and our faith? Yeah, I'd go to, again, New Testament, St. Paul, um, in that description of love. Love is patient. Let's just stop. Yeah. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. And so, like, looking at that, like, as it, my response as a, as a man, as a priest, to many of the things that do outrage me, but then the question that the Lord calls me to is, am I being patient with this person? Am I being kind? And before I do that, I'm going to look inward into my own, not splintered the beam in my own, my own eye. And then I'm going to, before I start plucking out at the splinters in other people, especially people I don't know, especially yeah. people that I've never met. I've never gazed in their eyes. I don't know the context of their history. I don't know their story. I don't know their traumas. I don't know their pain. I don't know their education. I don't know. I, I, dear God, I mean, imagine if we had a little bit of humility of recognizing, I don't know you. Yeah. Mm. And by right, right until, and that's what uh, I remember being in the uh, pre-seminary, and uh, as we had actually a problem, I know that you guys never, we never experienced this in seminary, but like <laughs> brothers being judgmental. No. And never in the priesthood either, right? No, yeah, never. Yeah. yeah, but like, I remember that. The, it happened one time. One, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I remember that we had this problem, and our spiritual director who was great at the time. He came out, he lambasted us, and he, what he told us, he's like, until you're in relationship with a person and you're afraid of losing that person, you have no right to judge them. He's like, until you have looked into their eyes and you are a brother to them and you're afraid of losing that relationship with them, he said, you have no right to judge them and to call them out for their crap. He said, you need to what? You need to keep your mouth shut. Hmm. And that's where I, th I think that we have this outrage of judging people without knowing who they are. And maybe, and maybe, maybe by their action, we, they, we might be right. But that's where like allowing the patience, the kindness, and the humility of the Lord to transform ourselves. And that's where I think that in regards to this is recognizing, be careful. Judge mm. not lest you be judged. Yeah. Redemption and mercy. I mean, going following along with you on love is, you know, redemption and mercy. Given this, the, the person that we're talking about, an opportunity to, to redeem themselves. I mean, that is the whole point of this. That is the whole point. Assuming of, they're of in, correctness yeah, assuming that they're wrong. Yeah, exactly. Assuming that they're wrong. Maybe I'm the one that because needs to be redeemed. Yeah. And, and so, but, but going through it through humility and mercy and patience. I mean, I, I think that's the, the only way that we can really go through this and it come out and let's have a good outcome from it is to be merciful, to, to try and consider the other. We talked about this in another episode of putting, you know, love's putting the other person's needs first. I mean, this is one of those situations where being loving and merciful is putting their needs first, understanding where they're coming from and not assuming where they're coming from even based on, on the life that they're living because maybe that life is a life of hurt and they really do regret it, but they just don't know how to say it or they haven't even recognized it. But giving them that opportunity to recognize it, the whole point of calling them out. Absolutely. And I think just for all of us recognizing that this, this internet thing is probably not going away anytime soon. So we're going to have to, as, as followers of Jesus, as members of the Catholic Church, continue to engage with people 
online, maybe engage with people who show vitriol and anger and judgment towards us. And we need to, to measure ourselves, not against how can I meet that, but how can I, I, I meet it with the love of Jesus, which is, is difficult and it's, it's definitely an art, not a science. But I think some of the, the principles that we've discussed today is maybe some of the challenges for all of us in the midst of this cancel culture, not just to cancel those people who are canceling other people, um, but to see uh, that there's something good there. There are good aspects there. There's some good desires that we're called to invite ourselves and everyone that we come in contact with to something even better, which is what the gospel brings to us. So, uh, Father Doug, Father Tom, thanks so much for, uh, this is a great conversation. And uh, thank you guys so much for watching this latest episode of Catholic in America. Thank you also to those who are supporting us, or if you'd like to support us, to check us out on patreon.com uh, slash St. Dominic Media. And uh, we're so grateful for your support and to continue to bring you uh, great episodes of Catholic in America. We'll see you next time.